1: The starting place is not what we have done or what we need to do, but what God has done Mm -hmm. through the gospel, he's made a way for us to know and be known. So really what we're doing in the Christian life is just responding to what God has already begun.
2: What does it look like to be spiritually healthy? We often think about our spiritual health in really big words and terms and needing to know a lot of information. But what if it was something a lot more simple and a lot more beautiful? Well, in this conversation with author, blogger, and pastor, Tim Challies, we talk about what does it look like to know God? Listen in. It's sure to provide a lot of food for thought about how we love God, know God, and are known by Him, particularly in this moment. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. I hope you enjoyed season five, where we really dug into so many great themes about A Spacious Life, and I hope you've had a chance to pick up a copy of A Spacious Life. But as we head into the Christmas season, and as we think about 2022, before we begin a whole new season here at the podcast, I wanted to take a little pause where we consider issues of health. What does it look like to care for our environment? What does it look like to have a healthy church? How about our spiritual lives or our bodies? Join me in just a short little series as we consider issues of health. All right, friends, it's really fun to welcome Tim Challies to the Finding Holy podcast today. We are going to talk a little bit about his book and life and ministry. He just recently came out with a lovely little gift book called Knowing and Enjoying God, Words from the Wise. So Tim, are you are the wise words your words? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they are largely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of got a thing for quotes, like yeah. quotes. And so the book is premised around that.
2: Mm. so yeah where did where did this kind of quote collecting come from
1: yeah years ago um i just started collecting quotes as i was reading i was reading mm-hmm. a lot back in those days and started collecting quotes kind of jotting down some of the notable ones and started building out a database and uh of quotes and then over time realized maybe i could combine graphics with quotes and make mm-hmm. them look pretty
2: yeah so it's it's a it's like a book length book roughly right but with um the quotes as well so it makes a lovely little gift i love it um tell us you know in the book you talk about knowing god could you walk us through you know the one of the hebrew words right for know is yada and i'm probably not pronouncing that correctly given that i've never taken hebrew but i love the the concept that our knowledge is not simply like a head knowledge can you walk us through what does it look like to know God and kind of more of this full orb sense?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, my knowledge of Hebrew is no more advanced than yours. So <laughs> I cannot uh, correct your pronunciation or affirm it.
2: Okay. Um,
1: but I do think what you, what you say is true is that we maybe have a trite understanding mm-hmm. of what it means to know mm-hmm. in the English language. My understanding is that uh, when they use the word to know in, in, uh, Hebrew, especially that they mean something that's far deeper than mere head knowledge. So yeah. we tend to make knowledge something on the low end of the spectrum, you know, mm-hmm. you can go from mere knowledge all the way up to true intimacy. But mm-hmm. in the, the Hebrew conception, again, like my understanding is that knowledge and intimacy are very bound up. So when we know God and God knows us, there's something mm-hmm. very deep and mm-hmm. meaningful happening there. Mm -hmm. And so one of the great privileges we have as Christians is to truly know God, which is not just having knowledge about God, not just being able to recount facts about God, but to have a real living relationship Mm -hmm. with God. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do we get there? Like practically, you're a pastor and you've been blogging and writing for like decades probably now. Is that right?
1: Probably. Yeah.
2: Okay. You know, so you've been thinking about all this stuff for a very long time and then you're, you know, you're trying to help people in your congregation practically live it out. So, you know, how do we get from, I think there's so much that's beautiful about the Protestant and, you know, particularly evangelical tradition where it's, you know, action oriented and knowledge. And we want to like read the scriptures for ourselves. Like, but how do we get from kind of this obsession of information to transformation? What does that look like?
1: Well, the first place to begin is that we don't begin the relationship with God. God begins it with us, which is an amazing thing to think about, that we messy, sinful, um, crazy little human beings who have Mm -hmm. sinned against God, turned our backs on Him. God reaches out and initiates this relationship with us. And so the starting place is not what we have done or what we need to do, but what God has done Mm -hmm. through the gospel. He's made a way for us to know and be known. And um, so, really, what we're doing in the Christian life is just responding to what yeah. God has already begun. Yeah. And so, a lot of people want to to begin a relationship with God, or I think they can maybe just make it too complicated as mm-hmm. new believers or people trying to advise new believers. Uh, a child doesn't need to be told how to have a relationship with mom. A child just relates to mom very <laughs> yeah. naturally, and and we are children of God, and so. Um, God has made it clear how we're to relate to him. And we do that primarily by speaking to him and being spoken to mm-hmm. um, primarily then through prayer, through scripture, and then through just relationship with his, with his body, the church. Mm-hmm. And so,
2: yeah. Through the yeah book I You talk about was... some of those habits, um, which is a helpful way to, for us to think about it. like, you know, these are kind of the, you know, the kind of warp and wolf of our of our Christian life. And often maybe we think like, Oh, the next piece of information will be the thing, you know, that, that really transforms me. Um, but to realize it's actually these really very ordinary rhythms, right. Of our lives that are the texture of knowing and being known.
1: Yeah. And one of the things we crave in this life that we, we don't want to give up on the craving, but we also don't want to, um, maybe read too much into it is we'll never be fully satisfied in this life. We were made to know God in a face-to-face way. Mm -hmm. We now know God in this mediated way. And so we, we pray to him without seeing him and we read his word rather than communing Directly in an immediate or unmediated way. Mm -hmm. A day is coming when that longing will be satisfied. But in the meantime, we do relate to God this way, which is grace. God doesn't need to communicate with us at all. He could have cast us out, gotten rid of us, never spoken a word to us, never let us speak a word to him. Mm -hmm. But he's now relating to us by grace through these means that he's given to us. And so Mm -hmm. it falls to us then to understand how does God communicate and how does he invite us to join in that communication. And then why am I not doing it? Why am I not taking full advantage of these? And even worse, why do I, why am I so obsessed with other means? Why am I not Mm. taking advantage of what God has given, but spending my life craving something he hasn't given?
2: Mm. How would you answer some of those questions?
1: (laughs) Uh, I just ask the questions. Um, Well,
2: (laughs) I know I like asking a lot of questions. Am I ready to And then You're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta sit with them too.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. It's your podcast. Well, I I think there's maybe in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about some of the Christian literature of recent days and how some of it was really premised on a longing for God that should be met outside of the means God has given us. And Mm. um, that dissatisfaction we have right now with the means God has given is understandable in the sense that we were made for more, but it's absolutely wrong in the sense that this is what God has given Mm. us. And so we have no right to ask God to speak to us in ways he hasn't. We right. have no right to try to speak to God in ways he's not invited us to take advantage of. And mm-hmm. so um, the, the joy we have is now just responding in obedience to the ways God directs us to to relate to him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does that, you know, how have you, as you've worked on this book, um, kind of put some of those own habits in place? Have you, Did something new come up for you, you know, as you were, or just kind of reaffirmed and, you know, the goodness of community in the church and scripture, reading and prayer, or, you know, were you being invited into maybe a more full understanding of some of these habits personally, as you worked on the book?
1: So the word habits is, I think, important. Um, there's a lot of talk in culture now about habits, about yeah. building habits, the goodness of habits. And I think it's it's good language. It's appropriate language. We've talked about spiritual disciplines, right. but really what we're talking about there is simply habits, building habits of relating to God. And we are people of habits. Very mm-hmm. few of us are are different than our habits would would suggest. And so uh, the call of the Christian life is to build these habits, these repeated ways of doing things where we speak to God and, and hear from God. And my wife would probably be the first to tell you that I'm a person of who who likes habits and yeah. who likes to build my life around habits to the point of maybe being idolatrous at times. But I had developed habits of relating to God, and I think those were affirmed through writing the book and through Mm -hmm. just reading lots of good quotes from different Christians. Um, But one of the things you realize is that the, the Christians we regard as the greatest, you know, the ones who have have just been used by God in um, extraordinary ways. They weren't that different from you and me. They Mm -hmm. too were simply reading the Bible and applying it to their lives. They're praying to God to, um, you know, adore God and confess sin and express thanksgiving and to, to supplicate God for what he can give. And then they were participating in the local church in yep. various ways. So yep. there is no great key that will unlock the Christian <laughs> right. Life. There isn't anything God has hidden from us that he yeah. hasn't made just very demonstrably clear mm-hmm. in scripture. We just need to use what he's given, mm-hmm. uh, take advantage of what he's, he's assigned
2: to us. Yeah, That's so true. You know, and as we think about the last several year, years now of, of this kind of global pandemic, um, you know, there's so much kind of coming up in, in that process, you know, spiritually, um, you know, as we hit milestones, how have you noticed these sorts of habit forming things being a sustaining factor in your own life? Um, and then, you know, how might we, as we, you know, think through just the grief, um, and pain of the last two years and that, that life has really turned upside down, you know yeah. what kind of encouragement might you give to these means of grace you know for someone listening and and obviously you know you yourself have experienced you know deep grief in the last year um how have you found these formational practices as sustaining for you
1: yeah yeah one of the the phrases I, I used to use a lot and I suppose still do use a lot is when you're at your your best prepare prepare for your worst. Mm. Um, the idea being that when times are good, that's the time to establish good habits, and that's the time to prepare for the times when you'll be really challenged. And it was in good times and just clear sailing that I began to establish mm. disciplines of attending church, reading scripture, praying. And um, then we hit very turbulent times. Um, global pandemic swept over the world, and a year ago, the Lord called my 20 year old son to himself. And we experienced this profound loss in, you know, in our family, just in, in life and society in general. And yeah, I was so thankful. I've often reflected on how thankful mm. I was that I came into that mm-hmm. with these habits, with these disciplines that God had enabled me by his grace to, to build them beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true of doctrine as well, of knowing who God is uh, knowing the character of God, the person of God. So when you encounter these these hard times, that's not the time you want to be grappling with, how do I relate to God? Or right. how do is I speak he good? To God?
2: <laughs> yeah
1: and, yeah Right. Is God good? Is God sovereign? If you have all that firmly established, now you go into, into mm-hmm. difficulties, into grief, into trauma, you're carrying that with you. Mm-hmm. And and I would not want to have to be doing my one one theology in the, you know, mm-hmm. being ground between the millstones.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's kind of what's happening in kind of this deconstructive impulse, you know, for lack of a better term these days, you know, what you might see on Twitter, for instance, you know, that the theology was shaky to begin with, um, or the formational practices were discarded early enough that when suffering comes... There's not much to hold on to
1: yeah i think there's two broad streams there one would be suffering comes along and people have not prepared themselves to deal with it they don't have the answers or the habits that will carry them through the other uh, apart from the the suffering would be honestly i think it's just sexuality mm-hmm. um they themselves are grappling with what the bible would call aberrant sexual practices or their children perhaps or someone else they love and again their theology their practice doesn't have enough depth to have to let them mm-hmm. have good answers mm-hmm. to that and be able to grapple with it well and be able to approach it as christians and so i think it's when those those forces come against their faith they realize their faith wasn't strong they didn't have true saving faith at all And mm-hmm. so their their faith falls apart but it begins the, the the wedge is driven in at the point of suffering or i think the point of sexuality
2: mm-hmm. Often. Mm-hmm. yeah You're likely a mom who's reheated her cup of coffee at least five times today maybe you find yourself the calendar scheduling guru and as you think ahead about the holiday season you want to create something magical but in all the hustle how do we connect with what really matters that's where a spacious season comes in we need to see our story and our parenting journey for both moms and dads in light of god's big story of redemption so A Spacious Season, A Weary Mom Rejoices is your invitation. It's your on-the-ground resource. In small, bite-sized episodes, A Spacious Season welcomes you into a more meaningful Advent and Christmas season. In A Spacious Season, you'll get six audio devotionals and a great workbook to help take those episodes deeper into your heart and into your life make sure you go grab one today you can get it at aahales.com shop that's aahales.com shop it's time for a more spacious season
0: this episode is brought to you in part by beyond ordinary women ministries which prepares christian women for leadership at bow We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills.
2: How do we maintain hope Um, for our churches, for our congregations, you know, for um, our institutions in this kind of cultural moment that we're in, where it does feel like things are very much shaken up, you know, as we think about, okay, I can maintain these formational practices. I can stay connected to God as an individual. How might then we think about these formational practices in community. And obviously you have a great chapter on the church and the importance of the local church, which amen, we there's, you know, there's so much where we can choose, you know, we can pick and choose what we believe on the internet or follow our favorite celebrity pastors, um, instead of just being embedded in a place with a people, but you know, how do, how might we think about this like corporately?
1: Yeah, there's a very deep, deep seed of individualism in the modern Western mindset. We are very individualistic beings to the point we can't even deconstruct our own individualism. We don't (laughs) see it. We're blind to it, but we look out at the Christian life primarily as an individual pursuit. And then society around us that everyone can buy the same cell phone and yet customize it just enough to think Mm -hmm. that we've made an individual decision or, (laughs) you know, you look out at society and just the, the different ways people dress or I mean, the tattoo phenomenon, all these things are um, there's just lots of ways of expressing conformity through what we think is individuality. And that's, I'm sure to some degree, that's always the way it's been, but um, we we look at the Christian life as if it's an individual pursuit, and then right. we have to tack on this thing called the church. But mm-hmm. the the Bible really sees it almost. <laughs> completely different from that it is primarily a a corporate pursuit we as christians join together in in the communities made up of individuals Mm -hmm. and as a community we approach the christian life as a community project we join with god who is himself communal father son holy spirit together in trinity we join into the trinity we join in you know into the fellowship that's existed in the trinity we join into the church and we embark on this as the the body of christ so i think um one of the things we as Western-minded Christians can do is just try to broaden our horizons and try to diversify our understanding of the faith, um, perhaps by appealing to people whose cultural background is different and Mm may, um, they'll have weaknesses too and blind spots too, we all do, but they may address this one a little bit better and be able to better uh, help us through it.
2: How do you walk your congregation through some of those things? Like, yeah, it's really hard to like to peel back these layers of individualism And to say, actually, you've been welcomed into this body called the church. It's not something that you just choose because it sounds really great. Or, you know, it's, it's what you have left to do on a Sunday. If you don't have a kid's soccer game, you know, how do you, how do you help people practice that? How do you help change their imaginations towards the actual story of the gospel instead of the story of individualism? Can you solve all of our problems right now? (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I live in Toronto, which is the most diverse city in the world. And so I'd say our church is maybe 60, at least 60% of the people who attend our church were born in a different country and came to Canada. And many of them brought a different cultural background. And so not everyone in the church carries that same individual way of looking at the world. On the other hand, once you come to Canada, this is the the water you swim in. And so I think it's, um, I think it's a process of trying to to glean and then try from people who come from more, uh, from backgrounds where Mm -hmm. there is more of a corporate dimension, more of a communal Mm -hmm. dimension. Um, At the same time, trying to affirm that you don't need to become fully Canadian, fully North American in these ways that the gospel does not demand that kind of individuality. That's a cultural thing, not a Christian thing. So Mm -hmm. learning from one another, joining together in community and not just to, not to change one another necessarily or not to try and change people to become the image Mm -hmm. of us, but to grow together to become Mm -hmm. the image of Jesus Christ.
2: Mm. That does really help. You know, if you have a a diverse congregation already, people are understanding that the way that they see the world is not the only way to see the world either. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it's one of the great blessings of living in a city where people are moving in from around the world. It's Mm -hmm. a tremendous joy. Almost any week you can go and meet somebody who's only been in Canada for a few weeks or a few months. And what a joy just to yeah, to, to hear their experience of this, this country and again, to learn and glean from them.
2: Mm, Yeah. What would you encourage, you know, listeners as, um, they wrestle with some of these larger questions about, you know, church hurt, maybe it seems to be kind of one of the, the things to, to talk about these days on the interwebs. Um, but you know, like as they say, okay, yes, I believe, I should be reading my Bible and I need to be praying. And I believe God has welcomed me into this, but I've also received a lot of pain from the church. What do we do?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And the church does hurt its own, unfortunately. It's okay. part of the tragic reality, is that the church is made up of sinners and um we do hurt and wound one another sometimes mm-hmm. intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes in uh, you know, as acts of commission sometimes as acts of omission, you know, yep. we just neglect to love people well. Mm-hmm. And so I think just to varying degrees, all of us have been hurt by the church. I understand some have been hurt very gravely and in very deep ways that, that are very hard to recover from. But I would just say that um, that doesn't mean you can run away from the church, that the church still needs you and you still need the church. Mm -hmm. The Bible has no conception of Christians running this race on their own, running as individuals. And so um, I think I'd like to think that more and more pastors, more and more churches are really willing to hear and admit this. I think we have a Mm -hmm. hopefully a growing humility toward the way just we as Christians in general can hurt Mm -hmm. and wound our, Mm -hmm. our fellow runners, brothers and sisters. And uh, are willing to hear that and address that when it's when it's brought to our attention. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, on the other hand, I do want to say that not everything society regards as bad or as wounding really is. And so uh, I've come into people who say "I, I was really hurt by the church. And when they tell me the way they were hurt, it just sounds like the church was doing what it should have done church discipline against somebody who's being very behaving in a very simple way. So Mm -hmm. maybe with pastors, they can help parse that out for you and really lead you Mm -hmm. through that.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, and hopefully too, it's, it's a sense in which you feel, you know, someone who's able to, to hear critique too. I think part of this goes back to our, our earlier conversation about individualism is, you know, we tend to think, of the church is another kind of consumer good. And so if it's not like meeting my felt needs at the moment, right, then I can switch it out or, 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 check it. What's your hope for, for Christians as they, as they read this work or, you know, as they're navigating so many issues, their own grief from the pandemic, et cetera, you know, what, what's your hope as, as we move forward, as far as helping us to actually know God and enjoy him?
1: One of the themes in our church over the last couple of years has been simply doing a few things well.
2: Mm.
1: Um, there's maybe a lot of people who really believe they're they're set for the most advanced levels of Christianity, and yet often those people are the ones who have inadvertently let go of the basics. And so I'm hoping this stirs up a love yeah. for. For just Christianity 101, just relating yeah. to yeah. God as a child relates to a father, yeah. um, as a created being relates to the creator, and just trying to stir up again that, that sense of awe that we can speak to God. God will speak to us. Um, that's an incredible thing. And mm-hmm. then I'm hoping as well it has the added effect of as you find good quotes, you'll go and read those authors and mm-hmm. read their books. So I've tried to, to put really legitimate, good, strong yeah. authors' quotes in there. So you can trace them down, uh, go find those books and read them yourself. That'll mm-hmm. be a blessing as well.
2: Mm-hmm. That's good. It's like a little, little roadmap, different avenues and pathways to, mm-hmm. to go off into. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think, um, you know, we can often make the Christian life be very complex and it's often, I think it's a little bit of a way to actually push off the the presence of God is if, you know, if we can make it big and too complex often, then we don't have to deal with ourselves or, (laughs) or deal with, yeah, the awesomeness of God. Um, it's our, it's our way to hide. And so I think, you know, just, I love that the size of your book, it's invitational, you know, it's nothing like, which there are, you know, places I have a PhD. So I like, I like thoughtful, heavy things, but you know, there, that we do need to be reminded of these basics as invitations into knowing God and making him known and remembering how very good that is, even if it's yeah. scary.
1: Yeah. And it's also pretty, which helps the book, you know, it's it meant it to is. be beautiful. I, I worked with an artist who did a great job of making the, the quotes look really nice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping in that way, it's just the kind of thing that catches the eye and people see it lying on a coffee table or yeah. something and grab it and, and read it and just get little truth nuggets day by day. Yeah, uh, This wouldn't be enough to sustain your faith through all of life. You need more than this, yeah. but I hope it can be just part of that, mm-hmm. you know, just a little snack every now and again. Yes.
2: Yes. So what, you know, you were talking about, about doing, doing a few things well, you know, as a congregation, which I love that, what would be one thing that you would want your readers and these listeners, what's one small thing that they could begin to do well?
1: Yeah, uh, just relate to God honestly. Um, just build that that basic habit of devotion to God, which is really what we're calling our church to as well. And mm-hmm. you know, we we sort of talked about this already about advanced Christianity. Yeah. But you don't have to spend long on the internet before you realize that the people with the <laughs> deepest knowledge of theology are not necessarily the ones who are displaying the greatest Christian character or who show the most evidence of really walking and talking with God. Um, If they were, you'd think it would change their character. It might increase their knowledge as well, but it would certainly change their character. And so, um, yeah, doing a few things well, get to know the Lord Mm. and uh, let him shape your character, shape the way you relate to others, shape the way you relate to the world.
2: Will you tell us just quickly what is your morning routine or you know your kind of time in Bible reading and prayer look like?
1: Yeah, I just go out for a walk every morning. And so I listen to the Bible. I'm doing a one year plan that takes you through the Bible five days a week. Mm-hmm. So I listen to whatever that is, you divide out that math, one right. 280th or something of the Bible every <laughs> morning, listen to that, and then I pray for a few minutes of whatever, as long as it takes me to do my circuit. Mm-hmm. And then um that's so that's my way of getting lots of Bible. And later in the day I'm often writing an article or writing a book or doing something else that lets me get um Bible in-depth where I'm really studying to prepare a sermon or something.
2: Right. I like that too, though there's a sense of having a devotional element, a physical element, and then also a study element. Um, And Mm. I, I know many leaders and pastors, right, who it becomes really it's easy just to read the Bible for for something else and not to be with God.
1: Mm-hmm. and I've, I've read some pastors who would say I need to have my time of devotion that that's very separate from mm-hmm. life career ministry and the others I remember R.C. Sproul saying I don't do devotions I right. study the bible for a living and that's right. my way of relating right. to God so I think there's lots of latitude there for different yeah. people to express different personalities different dispositions in in different ways um, I think there's a distinction to be made between studying the bible wide and small right. or whatever it is you know it, you want to read the whole Bible from times you need to read it in big swaths sometimes to pick Mm -hmm. up on the themes, to see the overlap between old and new, those sorts of things. You can't do that if you're only ever reading one verse a day. Right. On the other hand, when you're reading it quickly like that, you don't have time to really hone in Mm -hmm. on a few little parts. So that's Mm -hmm. where I think there's, there's time to do both.
2: Yeah. I like that. That's good. It, you know, we need a diverse diet and, you know, training different like muscles in our, in our spirit too. I like it. That's great. Well, as we conclude, I'd love to hear your laundry routine. And I ask all my guests, this question as a way to talk about habits, right? And how the small things of our lives build up and what they mean for us. So what does your laundry look like?
1: Well, first, once I sent my kids to college, we learned that laundry is a lie. Um, That was what they told me that you can put all (laughs) the laundry in one load and nothing bad ever happens. And so I learned from my kids and I've started to adopt that. I just cram it all in the machine and everything (laughs) turns out fine in the end. Um, I tend to do the laundry because I work in the basement right next to the laundry room. Yeah. And so rather than Eileen coming and going all day, I just kind of chuck in um, nice. loads as I remember it. And yeah, if we're having a good day, we actually remember to put it away. If not, you know, okay. we realize it's it's down here hanging on the line or whatever. And yeah, we don't have a great routine with it. We just do it when it needs to be done. There's only yep. three of us around the house now. Right. And, uh, yeah.
2: So it's a little bit easy. less chaotic Yeah. When- Children were small. I hear you. Do you hang up your laundry? Clothes, I
1: hang up things that I think are going to shrink. Okay. And I chuck everything else in. And we're still under a heavy masking mandate here. So I gotta wash all the masks right. every week, but we have to use a different detergent because you don't want it to be stinky, right. you know, even like that right yeah so it's got to be unscented so you
2: know it's a complication right yeah it's a yeah. It, who knew that covid would change our laundry <laughs> so drastically <laughs>
1: if you don't wash them on the gentle setting then it breaks all the little metal bits in the nose piece right Those and then you just the have
2: thing. to right yeah you can give us all the tips on mask watching. <laughs> Hopefully we I've won't need to use it expert. forever. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. It's been a delight to have you. appreciate your time. Thanks for sticking with Jesus all the way through and showing us how to do so. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tim Challies. You can find out more about him at the link in my show notes, as well as pick up a copy of his book, Knowing and Enjoying God. You can find those links in the show notes. And the book would make a really great Christmas present. I want to leave you friends with one small step before we leave to help connect the dots between the things that really matter and our everyday holy life. And Tim made this really easy for me. I would encourage you to go for a walk, whether it's a scripture walk or a prayer walk. Maybe you listen to scripture being read as you make your rounds around your neighborhood, or maybe you choose to use it as a prayer time to simply notice and praise God for the glory of his creation around where you live. Or maybe you're actually choosing to be emotionally vulnerable with God who cares you and sees you and is your kind and loving parent. I'd love to hear how it goes. You can always tag me on social media at Hales. And remember, if you have found this to be helpful, I would love for you to rate and review the Finding Holy podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to listen. Lastly, I want to just encourage you, if you haven't yet, to pick up a copy of my book, A Spacious Life, Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits. It, too, makes a fabulous Christmas present, and it is a way to begin to practice this reality that we are God's kids, and we are delighted in, and creation itself is God's act of play, and we get invited into that spacious life in a, through a doorway we often don't want to enter, right, through our limits. So if you're looking to kind of critique this individualism, consumer-oriented society that you live... That you need something that's actually going to pull you imaginatively into this life. I'd encourage you to pick up A Spacious Life. You can find all of that in the show notes or go to aspacious.life for more information. Remember, friends, big things matter, but so does your laundry.
0: This episode is brought to you in part